I'm going to share with you a portion of a message preached at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. Many more things could be said about counting the cost, but let's look at the next example. He says, verse 31, What king goes out to make war against another king and doesn't count up how many people he's got in his army? <laughs> you know, I can remember playing football and we were all, the, the coach always said, now count them up, boys. You know, when you're out there, well, number, you didn't want 12 men out there on your side. You get a flag penalty. But if, I think, uh, I could be, I don't know if this is true or not, but I don't think you get flagged if you've only got 10. But you're certainly outmanned, you see. Coach said, count them up on the punt team. I was one, I was one of the counters, you know. Count them up. Count up 11. Hey, we only got 10, but we don't match up. You know, count the number of the, of the force that you have. That's what the king does. If I got 10,000 men and the other guy's got 20, that's what happens here. He said, I've only got 10,000 men, so he better use some strategy. He better not go one-on-one. You see how he compares it to building something? Discipleship is compared to building something, and discipleship is compared to a war. I want you to know that being a disciple of Christ is a war. It's a battle. They said, well, who's the enemy, Brother Tim? God, Satan's an enemy, for sure. He's out there with his minions right now planning and devising how he can disrupt the peace of Bethlehem Church. Did you know that? He's planning right now for that, or some of his minions are. Satan's an enemy for sure. There's many. The world's an enemy. I'm going to tell you who your worst enemy is. It's you. You are the worst enemy that you will face in the battle for discipleship. Because you will faint, like I do. You will grow weary. You will get angry. You will you will lash out. You will be dictatorial. You will go into general mode, military mode. I mean, that's I'm proclaiming mine. Uh, you you proclaim whatever yours are. You may withdraw. You may say, it's just not worth it. I want you to know that is such a defeatist attitude that the child of God faces. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth trying to build this relationship. I'm glad you don't, if you have children, I'm glad you don't say that about your children. That's just not worth it. You know, I just can't put in this time. That's going to be a disaster in a few years, isn't it? You know, the church of God is not a family. We have many families in here. The church of God is not a family. It's a body. It's the body of Christ. He is the head. He is the head. He's the brain of the whole operation. And we're the body of Christ. And how could you really justify saying, well, my old finger's hurting over here today. I just don't want to feel feel it. So give me a knife. I'm going to cut it off. Don't do that to me. I mean, I want to save that finger, even if it's just hanging there not doing me any good, you know. Or what about your arm? If your arm goes limp, you know, and, uh, I think it was Brother Joey that had surgery on his shoulder. You know, he couldn't have it. He didn't have any feeling in his hand for a period of time. Well, he didn't say, well, let me just cut my arm off. That would have been very foolish, wouldn't it? We have that tendency, don't we? You're bearing the cross that you have in your life when you minister to the body of Christ. Our tendency is to withdraw. Jesus tells us to draw closer. See? He says in the book of Hebrews, we are not of those that withdraw back to perdition, but we are those that believe and move forward in the kingdom of God. See, He says, verse 33, So likewise, whoever he be of you that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. The word forsake there, it means to bid adieu. That's what the definition says, or to say goodbye. And we've all had to say goodbye to some things in our lives in order to follow the Lord, haven't we? When you come down into these waters of baptism and you say, I want to follow the Lord in New Testament baptism, you have to bid some things goodbye. Many of you maybe that have come from different places and had different beliefs in your life, you've had to bid some beliefs goodbye, haven't you? I bid these goodbye because I didn't understand it like that or I hadn't been taught that, I hadn't quite seen the truth. 
in your life and serving the Lord. You have to bid some things goodbye. I just saw a fellow last night, the fellow that I knew from years ago. You know, and I knew I knew him, and I couldn't quite place his name. I knew his parents better. And I said, I'm, I'm Tim McCool. You know, he says, oh, yeah, you, you play the guitar. I was like, yeah, about 15 years ago I did, you know. I marked myself when I was a musician in those days and moving to Nashville. I marked myself. And, you know, I, I'm happy to bear that cross. I'm happy that, and I don't, bar, I don't bite somebody's head off. I said, yeah, I, I used to play a good bit, you know. And, of course, the conversation went, asked me what I was doing now. I said, well, I'm pastoring the church down here now. Oh, then we went a whole different direction, you see. I wasn't putting myself out there to say, well, look at me, you know, but that's a cross that I bear. I had to bid that goodbye. I had to say goodbye to that. I could not do what the Lord called me to do and continue to do that. You understand, there's things that you can't continue to do in this world and follow the Lord in discipleship. You just can't do it. You say, well, I'm just going to go along with the crowd. You, you, young, you folks that are, you young ones that are in school, listen. It doesn't matter what kind of school you go to, whether you go to public school, private school, whether you homeschool, you're going to face the same temptations. Now, there might be some areas that you get yourself into that there's more temptation or whatever. But if you go the route of the world, if you go the path that everybody else is going, then you're going to suffer for that. Here, when we see the Word of God where He says to forsake you, there's some things you have to bid goodbye. You say, well, what are those things? Well... For the young folks, for sure, you have to bid some so-called friendships goodbye, some evil communication, some evil relationships, some troubling relationships. You say, well, I can be friends with everybody. No, you can't. You can't. If you be friends with everybody, then you're going to be sucked into the world that they are in. I used to think that too. Well, I can I can have an influence on people and I can change people down in this environment or that environment. You can't do it. It doesn't work. The Word of God says you have to forsake it. You have to bid it goodbye. And you know what the funny thing is? This is really what's ironic. When you do that, young people... When you bid goodbye, you know, whether it's the hanging out on Main Street or whether it's, you know, the, the keg parties that they're having or whether it's uh, all the scenes that go on in, in, in school and the different things that you face, when you bid that goodbye and they look at you with their nose turned up at you, it, it won't be long. I can assure you I've experienced this myself. It won't be long. It might be a year down the road. It might be five years down the road. It might be ten years down the road. But inevitably... Somebody among those that you bid goodbye is going to come back around to you and say, I didn't understand what you were doing at the time, but I see it clearly now. And I just wish I'd have had the courage to go with you and to bid those things goodbye. Because look at what a, a wreck that I've gotten into. See, that's what it means to forsake. Let's recap that real briefly there in Luke 14. It says you must love Jesus more. Love the things of the world less. Whether it's family or whether it's um, uh, your own life. Love Jesus more. It says, bear your cross to be His disciple. You know, and, and let me just say this one other thing. A cross is a, is a thing of shame, isn't it? It's a thing of shame. Have you ever been ashamed whenever you showed up somewhere? Maybe you weren't dressed just right. I was joking with Brother Jeff this morning. I said, hey, you got your church clothes on. I told him to wear that because we were going to go baptize, you know. But it makes you feel uncomfortable. The other day, we had a little time to kill on a Friday afternoon before we went somewhere. And Brother Asher was all dressed up for a camp out. You know, had his rubber boots on and had him, he had the jeans tucked down in the rubber boots to begin with. It looked like he's headed to the dairy barn. Even though he didn't know, he's never been to the dairy barn, but he looked like to me like he's headed to the dairy barn. But we went by Barnes and Noble. That's one of my favorite places to go by. Just not necessarily read books, but to go study for a while. Find a quiet place and study when I'm in town. 
If you're ever looking for me in town, you can't get me. You know I'm over there. You might check Barnes & Noble. I'll be back there in the back somewhere probably studying. Just ask my kids. And so he got out, and I said, well, somebody's going to snicker at him walking in there with his dairy farm boots on. But smart little fella he was, you know, he got out, and he took his jeans, pulled them out, and pulled them down over those boots, uh, you know, because you couldn't see them. All you could see was just the bottom part of the boots. I said, that's smart, buddy. You know, you you won't have to feel ashamed now wearing your rubber boots into Barnes & Noble, because I guarantee you he was the only one in there that had rubber boots on. <laughs> Everybody else has got their sandals and their tevas and tevas, whatever you call them, you know, bobs and knobs and all that other stuff, whatever it is. The stuff I don't have. A cross is something that brings shame, but it's a good shame. It says that Jesus Christ suffered the shame of the cross, you see? Forsake all those things that would distract us and count the cost of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord. John 8. Turn over to the book of John, the 8th chapter, in verse 30. Discipleship. This is not becoming a child of God. This is a child of God who's already been touched by the Spirit of grace following the Lord, being a constant attendant of Christ. The same scenario here, John 8 and 30, it says that Jesus spoke these words in the treasury. There was a multitude of people there. Some were His children. Some were not His children. Some believed because they'd already been touched by His grace, His Spirit. And some did not. And I want you to notice what He says in verse 30. As He spake these words, many believed on Him. He had many children among that crowd right there. And he says, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him. Did you catch that? He knew who His children were among that crowd. And He speaks directly to them. The others are just like, what's He talking about? That didn't mean anything to me. But this meant something to the people that believed. They had the Spirit in their heart. And He says to them, If ye continue in My Word, then are ye My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. A key to being a disciple of the Lord is to continue in His Word. That means to give attention to the Word of God. And we're living in a day and time, I hate to tell you, there's so much attention given to so many words that are out there and very little given to the Word of God. As a matter of fact, you may find it hard to determine what version of the Word of God you need to look at. There's so many different versions out there. You can find a version for anything. But if you look back a short time ago, a short time ago, when there was only one version of the Word of God. And there was so much revival and awakening and even reformation in the days whenever the Bible, the King James Bible, came into being. So much application given to the Word of God. And I tell you, child of God, there'll be revival and reformation in your life if you apply yourself to the Word of God like Jesus says. That's not based on my words. That's based on His words. If you continue in my Word, the word continue means just to give attention to. So if you want to be a disciple of Christ, as a child of God, continue in the Word of God. That's what he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He said, continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and heard of me. Continue in those things. And he also said in 1 Timothy, I believe it is, where he says, Timothy, to give heed to thyself and continue in the doctrine. And in doing so, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That's a discipleship verse, child of God. He wasn't telling born-again children of God and Timothy who was born again. He wasn't telling Timothy to get yourself born again, Timothy. You don't have to be born again but one time, see? You're only born into this world one time and you only have to be born again one time. And he said, Timothy, I want you to continue apply yourself to this word so that you can save yourself, so that you can continue to be spared and delivered from this present evil world that's out there and you'll also have the effect of saving them that hear you. Delivering them from the things of the world. Delivering them from the snares and pitfalls of life. Continue in the word. And the effect of that, you will be a disciple, but he also says you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Are we often like Pilate? Pilate said, what is truth? 
And Jesus says, I came to bear witness of the truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? Truth's relevant. You know, truth's whatever you want it to be. If you think it's okay, you know, for men to marry men and women to marry women, well, it's just relevant. You know, your truth may not be my truth. <laughs> I tell you, that's a, that is a pit to fall into. That's the pit that, a, that our nation is in today, that the people of our nation are in. There is a truth. And there is Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, you see. There is truth. He says you'll know the truth if you apply yourself to the Word of God and the truth will make you free. Did you notice it doesn't say it will set you free? It doesn't say that it will set you free. Jesus has already set you free on the cross, you see. But when you get this truth in your mind and when you let, when you see the, the shackles have already been taken off at Calvary, then it will make you free in your thinking, see? You know, when Abraham Lincoln made the Emancipation Proclamation, it set the slaves free, right? The document that he signed says they are free. But the reality of that did not come to many of those slaves until sometime later, right? It, they weren't actually made free until they actually walked off of that plantation or wherever they were being held as slaves. But when he signed the document, they were set free. You get that? But in the reality of being made free did not come to them until they actually were let go. You see? I heard a story years ago about a group of slaves that, that had fled out into the desert. There was a group of slaves that, that escaped from their wherever they were in the south, and they fled out into the desert somewhere, lived out there for several years, and didn't know for years that the Civil War was over and that they'd been made free. They were already set free, but when the news came to them, you see, it made them free. How many people are laboring under the bondage of sin and thinking, you know, the preacher told me I've got to be good enough, I've got to hold on the way, I've got to persevere, I've got to, I've got to be this, I've got to be that. I want you to know that's a labor that you don't need to labor under because the Lord labored under that. And He set you free on the cross. And the Word of God tells you that He set you free. And now you're free to serve, you see? This truth makes you free in your mind. We must continue in the Word of God for this. Now let me give you a couple verses as we close. I hope you can see the difference between discipleship and sonship. Discipleship is a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, being a constant attendant to the Lord. Matthew 11. And you don't even have to turn there. You know this verse. Matthew 11 and 28. Come unto me, all ye that are that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Is that a sonship verse or is that a discipleship verse? There's no question. It can be no question that that is a discipleship verse. There is no dead in sins person out there that has a burden on their heart. Only the child of God who's been touched by the grace of God sees themselves as a sinner and feels the burden of sin. Our brother Chris uses this example often. It's a good example. Talking about a man, a dead man, if you lay a thousand pound weight on a dead man's chest, he's not going to say a word, is he? He's just, just going to mash him. But if you lay me down as a living man and lay a thousand pounds on me, you're going to hear from me. Woo! You know, get me out of of this thing. You see? What's the point? The point is, uh, one who is dead in sin doesn't see themselves. They don't mourn over their sins. They don't care. See? But one who has been quickened and made alive by the Spirit can come to Jesus in discipleship, can follow Him in New Testament baptism, can cast their cares upon Him and trust in Him that He stumbled on the road to Calvary under the weight of His cross and one helped Him, He will help you. You see? What about this verse right here? Romans 10 and verse 9. Very popular verse of Scripture. An entire belief system has been built on Romans the 10th chapter. Romans 10 and verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I'm not willing to give up that verse of Scripture just because it's been so misused for so many years. 
I want to understand what it means. And this is what it means. Paul says in verse 1, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. What is he saved from what? What's he talking about? Is he talking about them being saved from hell? No, he says, I bear them record, verse 2, they have a zeal of God. They've already got God. They've already got God in their heart. You can't have a zeal of God without having God. He says, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. These Jews were ignoring Jesus Christ. He says, I want them to be saved from ignoring Jesus Christ. You ever ignored anybody? When you ignored them, did they disappear out of the room? No. You don't have that power, do you? They were still there, weren't they? So you just ignored them. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been given the cold shoulder many times in my life, you know, if you can believe that. <laughs> I've been given the cold shoulder, and you can feel it, can't you? But I, I didn't disappear. I didn't go poof, and all of a sudden I disappeared. I was still there, even though I was being ignored. So you see, what he's teaching here is, Jesus is there. You're ignoring Him. You say, how do we know that He's there? It says in verse 8, What saith the Scripture? The Word is nigh thee. It's even in your mouth. It's in your heart. Right. You see, the Word's already there. The Son of God is there in the heart. And they're just ignoring it like He's not even there. Well, you know, I don't still want to believe that. You know, I believe I've got to work my way to heaven. i got to keep the law, the law of Moses. i got to do this. i got to do that. I'm just going to ignore what that little prickling feeling there in my heart is. And that right there is Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I want them to be saved from that. I want them to confess Him. I want them to feel the assurance that we all feel in Christ. He says, He's in your heart. The Word's even in your mouth. And if you'll confess Him with your mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see? Saved from ignorance. Saved from ignoring Him. That's what that verse of Scripture means. He's already there. He's already there. Discipleship and sonship is a key to understanding what the Word of God is saying. And this morning, somebody says, well, you know, what's my status? If you have a burden in your heart, Jesus is already there. Somebody says, well, what if I forget? Well, let's just take that in closing. What if I forget that I'm the son of Harold McCool? Does that make any difference on whether or not I'm his son? What if I get Alzheimer's or dementia one day? And they say to me, who, who is your father? I say, I don't know. God forbid, I hope I never get in that situation. But I could forget, couldn't I? You could forget who your father is. What if I never knew my father? What if, God forbid, somebody left me on a doorstep somewhere, as the old picture in our mind used to be of an orphan in a basket on a doorstep, and they said, and I get three or four years old, and they say, well, we've named you Tim, I guess. And they say, well, who's your father? We don't know what to call your last name. And I say, I don't know. Does that change the fact of who my father was? You see that? What if you forget? The Lord will not forget you. What if you never knew, like these Jews right here, they never knew that what they had in their heart was really Jesus Christ. What if they never knew? The Lord says, I will know you and I will never forsake you. You see, when it comes to our sonship, there's nothing that can take that away. Nothing. But when it comes to us following the Lord, if you have that burden and you have that desire, then you need to confess Him. And you need to strengthen that belief. Strengthen it by walking and following Him and being baptized in His name and believing that He's the reason that you're going to be in heaven one day. I hope that we can see the difference between sonship and between discipleship. 
And with that, we pause due to the constraints of time. Until next week, may the Lord richly bless you is my prayer.